0: Welcome to the Superhero of Love podcast. I am Bridget Fonger. I wrote a book called Superhero of Love Heal Your Broken Heart and Then Go Save the World. That book is going to be out in January 2019, but I didn't want to wait until that time to start talking to superheroes of love. And guess what? Here's the news you are a superhero of love, and through talking to other superheroes like yourself, Tapping into that little superhero inside of you. I'm hoping that you and I and all of us start feeling more and more like superheroes of love, meaning that we love and are loved more than ever before. So, welcome. Let's get this party started. Welcome, superheroes. Today we are speaking with Deborah Poneman. And Deborah is speaking from Northern California, and I am sitting in Southern California. We are joining right now magically (laughs) via the interwebs um, to have this magical conversation. And the reason why I'm so excited to talk to Deborah is that she is a mighty superhero of love. She has been in the business of helping people transform their hearts and lives since the 70s when she started doing spiritual work, which we're going to hear more about the work that she's done in her life. And very soon thereafter, she started taking that work out into the world and making a difference. You may have heard of her Yes to Success seminars that she's been doing since the 80s. Um, And now she is doing a very exciting venture the New Success, A Revolution, which you'll hear more about. Deborah is a best-selling author. She's been involved in many Chicken Soup for the Soul books, <laughs> and we're going to hear from her about all of her work. Welcome, Deborah Poneman, to the Superior Love podcast. I am so happy
1: to be here with you. I'm just feeling it in my heart. It must be something about you, Bridget, that you open up people's heart chakra. That's where I'm feeling it. (laughs) I'm
0: so excited. So we have have a lot of friends in common. I'm just so blown away that we are finally together. And many of those friends are my friends who have brought the world of transcendental meditation into my life. I don't do TM meditation. I do other meditations. But I... Have not, I mentioned t- transcendental meditation as an option for people in my book, and I haven't had anybody on the podcast yet actually to tell us about that journey. And I know that that journey has, has gone from TM specific to other things for you, but I would love to hear about your journey as a meditator.
1: One of my favorite subjects. So, <laughs> 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 yes, um, in the 70s. So, obviously, I started out. Meditating before I was born. No, actually. (laughs) In in utero meditation. In utero. But actually, I started meditating, um, yes, in the uh, very early 70s. And I was a child prodigy. And shortly thereafter, I became a teacher of transcendental meditation. And what I find fascinating about my very own story is that In the early 70s, I used to go on these Transcendental Meditation teacher training courses and advanced teacher training courses where we would spend eight to 10 hours a day meditating for months at a time, and we would be in silence for weeks at a time and that doesn't mean just silence for an hour a day it meant 24 hours a day week after week after week after week we never spoke we just did our meditation and Mm. and spent time with marishi and i look back on those days and i think really i mean i can't be silent (laughs) for 10 minutes at a time (laughs) but anyway those are different times and there is a different energy in the world and research showed that if we meditated together in large groups we created an effect of silence that counteracted the noise going on in the world in the 60s we protested the war in vietnam and in the 70s we tried a different tactic which was to meditate and to be in silence in large groups to counteract the hate to counteract the destruction so that was why I led that life at that time is because it was the way I felt that I could contribute to the world while of course contributing to my own um, life and I did uh, also teach I was a full-time teacher transcendental meditation and um, I taught I don't know I I stopped counting after about the thousandth person but and I love TM and I think it's a Fabulous practice. And as you said, I've, I've gone on and, and um, I, now what I do is I recommend that people either start TM or learn meditation through the Art of Living Foundation, which is another organization that teaches a very similar type of meditation. But I really do believe that any kind of ancient meditation, not something that somebody just thought up last week and now teaches at the YMCA, But a technique like TM or a technique like the art of living teaches, those are the tried and true techniques that have been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years that have withstood the test of time. I believe that at this time in our lives, when again, there is so much noise going on on the outside, we need to have a tried and true meditation that has been scientifically proven to create silence on the inside so that we can not only in our own lives but for the planet counteract that noise Mm. and that's why I'm so committed to my meditation
0: I heard the story of of the TM meditators in Washington DC meditating Mm. and that can can you talk about that I love that that where the where the crime rate went visibly down, correct? Yes, I was actually there.
1: Oh, wow. We actually did um, that. I don't know, was it 1978, something like that? It was a long time ago. And what was discovered by the scientific research is that if the square root of 1% of a population, and in this case, it was the square root of 1% of the population of the US, if that number of people came together and did this meditation, that really does stir the silence, does stir that Absolute infinite field of peace that underlies all of creation. Um, if we do come together in a group, that it would have an effect on the crime rate, which in fact did go down, on the accident rate, which in fact did go down, the stock market went up. So all of the positive indicators uh, went up, all of the negative indicators um, were reduced. And then we actually had groups that would go to places like Israel and, and um, places where there was conflict in the Middle East. and same thing, groups of meditators. And there's been scientific research that's proven that these groups have had a positive impact. So we meditate for ourselves and for the world.
0: Yeah. And the the subtitle for the superhero of love book is heal your broken heart and then go save the world. And I I think that being still within ourselves and obviously healing our own hearts is is a key to that and meditation. I, I I mentioned meditation several times in the book. I, like, I can't more highly recommend it to anybody who hasn't meditated before. So um, thank you for that. I'm so glad we finally had somebody speak about it. Yay. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> um, so now there was a time in your life when you were You had a TV show, you had all kinds of heavy duty, successful, amazing corporate America kick-ass stuff going on, and you gave it all up. Can you tell us about that time in your life?
1: Yes, I'll just give you a little bit of background. So I was teaching meditation full-time. We started in university, Maharishi International University in Fairfield, Iowa. I was the director of admissions. I was in the first graduating class in 1977. And then I woke up one morning and I realized that woman does not live by mantra alone. And <laughs> I realized that, you know, I was pushing 30 and I thought, you know what? I should probably have things like health insurance and car insurance, or maybe even a car to insure. And (laughs) I thought, okay, what do people do to make money? they sell investments. Where do people do it? They do it in LA. So I left uh, Fairfield, Iowa, which is where I was living. And I found a a company to work for. And I started selling investments. And I was a dismal failure. Uh, And (laughs) so wasn't me. But you know, you've heard the expression, we make plans and God laughs. Mm -hmm. I went to LA to make money. But God had some other plan in store for me. Because one day, uh, somebody said to me, hey, you want to go to a money seminar I said sure I thought it was going to be to help me be better at selling investments but I got there and it was a new age crowd and the guy who was speaking this was 1981 was talking about the law of attraction and about how our mind creates our reality and about how we're like tuning forks and if we talk about how broke we are all the time and and how every time we touch an investment it goes south and that we vibrate with that and then we attract more going south investments into our lives and even if if what's going on in our lives doesn't look like it's positive, let's say in the fina- in the financial world, if we say positive, if we have positive thoughts of expectation, like, well, might not look great right now, but I know that my wealth is on its way. I know that I deserve wealth flowing to me. We start vibrating with that. And this just totally blew my mind because, again, I had been a meditator and I had established that silence on the inside, but I didn't quite know how to create wealth and success on the outside. Mm. So that night I started studying all of the great masters of success and prosperity like Napoleon Hill and Wallace Waddles and, and Florence Shin and, and, um, Catherine Ponder, and I put together a seminar. And it took me, oh, four or five months, just day and night working on the seminar. And then I launched Yes to Success. And the time must have been right for it. Of course, I use the principles that I teach, like don't wait until you think you're ready, because you will never think you're ready, and take a step from which there is no turning back. Because I was 28 years old. I was. A woman, I had my only degree was from Maharishi Maharishi International University. I was broke and I was going to tell people how to be successful. But I knew that an idea comes to you because it is supposed to be manifested through you. Mm, that's beautiful. that's right like, right you have different ideas than i have i've have the ones that i'm supposed to manifest it's the creator can't come down and start a podcast called the superhero of love mm-hmm. so the creator whispers into your ear start a podcast superhero of love right right but if you don't act on that because i believe that the creator needs that thing manifested in the world at the time that the whisper comes to you to make this world work and if you don't do it the creator's going to have to go whisper it to somebody else. And the creator said to me, hey, create this seminar where you teach people the energetic principles of creating success and prosperity. And I did. And Mm -hmm. even though um, the discouragement committee, because I tell people... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Don't tell anybody your idea until you have taken many steps to manifest it because the discouragement committee is going to show up and say, oh, there's so many podcasts. Come on, Bridget. What are you thinking?
0: Right? That's hilarious. Absolutely. Yes.
1: Right? But if you've already taken so many steps that that the dis- dur- discouragement committee can't crush that seed mm-hmm. as long as you've planted it and kept it inside and it has grown to be a strong Strong plant. Then it's like, oops, did it already. And I had already put up the posters for my first presentation. Deborah Olson, that was my name at the time, Deborah Olson to give a presentation on saying yes to success. And because I'd already put up the posters, that would that's what we did in 1980, we advertised by posters. When the discouragement committee told me that nobody's going to believe an idea like your mind creates your reality, oops, I'd already put up the posters. So, and <laughs> that's right? So fantastic. Yeah. So I walked in and there was standing room only. And, oh my God. And that was that's the incredible. beginning of my career. And within a few short years, my seminars were being taught by reps on um, four continents and seven countries. And that's Decades before the internet, that was snail mail and phones with curly cords. (laughs) And some of today's most renowned transformational leaders, stars of The Secret, were my students back in the 80s. Oh, my God. And as you say, um, I gave it all up. Yeah, And um, at the height of my success. So you want to know why? Yes, please, please, <laughs> please, please. <laughs> well, no tragedy befell me. I didn't like figure out I was an imposter or something like that. No. Actually, what happened was that I was about to have my own TV talk show. I didn't have it yet. I was in negotiations with a, with a, a producer. And I my yes to success book was in the hands of a major New York publisher. And I gave birth to my daughter. <gasps> Oh. And that's what happened. I took one look at her and hey, you know what I, I taught people that you have to follow your heart. Yeah. And if my heart, I mean, I didn't want to leave this child to go to the bathroom, let alone to go tape a TV show every morning or right. go on a book tour. Right. And I thought if I'm gonna be true to myself, because you know what, Bridget, you you know this. People have authenticity meters. And you know who's standing up and telling you to do stuff when they're not doing it yourself, themselves. Yeah. And yeah. I did not want to be one of those people. Yeah. I told people to follow their hearts. And my heart was with that little girl. Oh, and I gave it all up. And, and I remember I was supposed to do a tour of Southeast Asia. And the guy from Singapore, the promoter called me. Said, oh, I heard you had the baby. Let's get it on the books. And I said to him, you know what? You're going to have to call me back. In 18 years. (laughs) 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 He's still my friend. He still remembers. And it turned into 21 years after my son is born. So um, I did. And you know what? And here's here's the thing about being a superhero of love. And I do my best. But people asked me when I gave it all up. People said, have you gone out of your mind? And I said, absolutely. Right out of my mind and right into my heart.
0: Oh, that's so great. What a, but, great, what a great phrase. And, now, and it's true. I'm gonna,
1: <laughs> you know, you know better than anybody. The mind sees what, why it's not going to work. The mind sees why you and I are not alike. The mind sees why you and I have to be enemies. The mind sees what's going to go wrong. The mind sees why I'm right and you're wrong. But the heart just loves and the heart sees how we're sisters. The heart sees how we're connected to every person who's listening. The heart sees how we can have a win-win. And the heart sees that even if I give up this every opportunity that I had been working towards to be home with my little girl, that eventually it was all going to work out fine if I followed my heart.
0: I was just moved this week when Jeff Flake busted busted the move that he did and his friend, the Democrat who's, oh, Coons, right? Coons, mm-hmm. Coons was talking about it and he was moved to tears even talking about it. And when they talk, I've seen them each talk about each other and they're on diametrically opposed political trenches. Right. <laughs> and yet they have such love in their hearts for each other. And That was one of the moving things, wasn't it about McCain's funeral too? It's like, uh, it was just, people loved that man, like truly felt love in their hearts for that man. Um, it's, I love, thank you for saying that. It's, it's such a great, it's such an important thing to remember now, but luckily we have some, we have some politicians that actually are modeling that behavior, you know, like like they are going into their hearts and those two, the two women in the elevator, right. Who like shook flakes heart, Right. grabbed they grabbed his
1: heart and <laughs> pulled it
0: out of his chest and said look at this <laughs> I, but you know what
1: see that's the point the point is is that um underneath all those layers and layers and layers of hurt and fear there is love. Inside. It's, it's, sometimes it's hard to see, but right. there is that spark of love. And if we can only touch that spark of love, and, and you can see in Jeff Flake that he was touched, that that spark of love got ignited. So there is hope. And that's, we can't give in to despair. We have to know that there is that spark of hope and that spark of love inside of.
0: It's interesting that you went from Yes to success into your heart, and now so is this new venture coming out. I'm assuming this was born out of your heart because, so you raised your kids, and that. Well, tell tell t- tell us about what your heart was doing during those times, oh, during those
1: years. Uh, <laughs> well, actually, um, when I gave up my career at the height of my success. Uh, people ask me all the time did you ever doubt your decision Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the truth is is that i absolutely a hundred percent of course i doubted my decision Mm -hmm. i mean of course Mm -hmm. here i am All my students are becoming New York Times bestselling, I mean, not all of them, but many of my students. I mean, I had one time where I had four of my students run the New York Times bestseller list using the principles that they had learned in my my seminar. And there I am at home, knee deep, dirty diapers. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and of yes. course the other time I doubted it was when my kids were teenagers, but that's another story. <laughs> I want to tell you <laughs> Oh lord, but can, can I tell you this one story about when I really really doubted and thought that I had completely ruined my life? Yes, heard... please. Yes, please. Okay.
0: So, um wait, this my, and this is such a great I just want to contextualize this as you leap into your heart and this is the kind of shit that's going to come up and challenge you when you leap into your heart, but don't let it stop you from leaping into your heart. Okay. Continue. <laughs> that's exactly right. And, and that's exactly what the story is
1: about. Great contextual framework. Cause it's okay. exactly what happened. So here I am um, at home and my kids were about, I don't know, four and two, maybe five and two. Um, and they were, Really whiny that day, like exceptionally whiny that day, and I thought, okay, that's <laughs> it, I'm putting them in front of the TV I can't deal, so I put them in front of the TV, and my daughter wanted to watch Barney, and also she couldn't say her Rs, so she's like, "Wheels, bony, wheels bony <laughs> I'm like, okay, stand. I'll find you, Bonnie. just cool it, so I'm doing this channel check, looking for Boney, and all of a sudden, I see Oprah just as I'm moving through the channels, I see Oprah. And on the Oprah show is one of my students. And not only was one of my students on Oprah, but he was actually showing Oprah a demonstration of the power of the mind that he had learned at my seminar. And Oprah was like flipping out. She goes, oh my God, this is amazing. I'm doing oh it with my mind. God. Okay, now here's the thing. God bless him. I'm glad that he showed it to Oprah. I'm glad that millions of people saw it. And again, here I am with these two whiny kids. And here he is with Oprah. Wow, so, <laughs> wow. I, I'm looking at it and all of a sudden I just burst into tears because at that moment I was absolutely convinced that I had made the wrong decision and I had ruined my life. Right. <laughs> um, and I'm standing in front of the TV and I start sobbing. The good thing is that it, it, my, my kids were so shocked that they stopped whining because <laughs> all of a sudden right, she's looking for bounty and now she's like weeping in front of the TV. <laughs> And the only thing that brought me out of my pity party, true story, my daughter goes, so I'm like, uh, 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 and my daughter goes, mommy, I go, yes, sweetheart. She goes, I think you forgot out popsicles. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, yes, I did. And I found Barney and I went into the kitchen and I am telling you, Bridget, I was mad at God. Mm-hmm. I thought God had played this very bad trick on me. Mm-hmm. And I am pouring that orange juice into those popsicle molds because I really had forgotten. I'd forgotten to even make them. Right. So I'm pouring the orange juice yes. into the molds. And I'm saying, you know, that was supposed to be me. And I get this like message from God. And when I say message from God, I don't think that God speaks to, you know, like Charlton Heston, like Moses. No, <laughs> a whisper in my ear. But the whisper in my ear was remember the book. And I'm like, I'm remembering the book. It was in the hands of a New York publisher. (laughs) And then God says to me, no, 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 no. Not that book. I saw this image of this book that I'd read years ago.
0: Hmm.
1: And here's the thing. It was a story about a man who had died and uh, he had come back to tell the story. And What happened to the man was that he had died. He had gone through the proverbial dark tunnel. And at the end of the dark tunnel, there was a being of light. And the being of light said to him, would you like to see the highlights of your life? And the man said, yes, I would. And the being of light showed him like a highlight reel of his life. And it was a very short reel. It showed him... Um, showing his son how to swing a baseball bat and dancing with his daughter at her wedding. And the man, even indignant and talking to the being of light, like, well, what about when I brought my company public? What about mm-hmm. when I you know, won all these awards as an Eagle Scout? What about I opened the factories in Japan? And the being of light said, all of those moments glorified you. Then the being of light said, would wow. you like to see the life of somebody else who also just came over to the other side and indignantly he said yes I do and in the book he says that these curtains of light parted and they're sitting on a throne of light surrounded by a host of angels was the lady who used to clean his house wow and the being of light said to him would you like to see a highlight reel of her life he said yes i would and she had had permission and he showed the highlight he said you know you used to think she was such a pathetic creature but she was a, she had a very very happy life and it showed her carrying a pot of soup to a sick friend and it showed her holding her mother's hand and stroking her hair as she was making her transition and it showed her comforting a child who had been hurt and it showed her you know, cheering in the baseball games for the kids whose parents couldn't be there because they had to work two or three jobs just to put food on the table. And it showed her just going to church and hugging everybody up and saying, how you doing today?
0: Mm-hmm. And then the
1: being of light said to the man, when you get here, you find out that the only thing that matters on earth is how much love you give wow and it's so beautiful and it's what you teach and right
0: right? and it makes makes popsicle making so much more fun after that (laughs) exactly right (laughs) and also
1: i knew that what i taught in my seminars was true and that is that each of us has a calling each of us was put on earth to fulfill a god-given purpose and if you follow your heart Even if you take what appears to be a detour, your life's purpose is not going to go away. Whatever you do when you follow your heart is your life's purpose, as you just pointed out with the Popsicle. For example, if you take time away from your quote-unquote career or purpose to be with your kids, not that I believe that every parent should do that, Um, there's no way of knowing if your kids are going to be better off if you do take the time out or if you don't, Mm -hmm. but, but even if you take time out to go build schools in Uganda or work on a political campaign or be at your mother's side to care for her while she's dying, not only is that detour your purpose, Mm -hmm. you will end up at your goal more quickly if you follow your heart, even Mm -hmm. if everybody thinks you've gone out of your mind. You have to
0: trust. Wow. That's amazing. Thank God. See, now that, the incident of seeing the Oprah, your protege on Oprah, I think that would have sent me into a spiral for several days, maybe weeks possibly. And you, like your heart was open enough to receive that message instantly. So you didn't even have to suffer. You know what I mean? Like we suffer and that, that. I still suffer with that thing of, um, even though I love supporting and helping other people, that's one of my greatest passions. Right. But I still, there's still, even though it is one of my greatest passions and it's for real one of my greatest passions, I also have that piece of my heart that is like, is there enough for everybody? You know what I mean? Like, uh, like he got on Oprah, but you can't, or you know what I mean? Like this. So I'm just blown away that your heart was so open that you could, you didn't have to suffer for days or weeks. Like some of us would.
1: <laughs> but but I do want to say Bridget, just so I don't look like some, you know, freaking saint because I'm not, <laughs> there were, there were many, many times where I doubted, but I mean, I doubt and then I always go back, I love Byron Katie, she's one of my heroes, uh, mm-hmm. Byron Katie, who wrote the book Loving What Is, and I always go back to the question, how do you know that it's supposed to have happened exactly the way it did? Mm-hmm. Because it did. Right. And if you say it shouldn't have happened that way, well, how do you know it It. it, it it, there is no, it shouldn't have happened. It happened the way it did because it was supposed to happen that way. Argue with reality and you will always lose. So you might as well love what is, because if you mm. love what is, and if you have gratitude for exactly the way things are, then the more wonderful things. see if we're like, why is this? This shouldn't have happened. We close ourselves off energetically to our greater good. But if we say, thank you, God, even when it's painful, thank you, God, for that person being on Oprah and not me. Thank you. Then we open ourselves up energetically for the good that is always inherent in everything because we live in a benevolent universe. And that doesn't mean we don't have to rage. You can get your plastic baseball bat and pound (laughs) it on that pillow and say, why (laughs) did you do that to me? And then say, when it's all the rage is gone, thank you, God. Because the truth is, it's always leading you. You know, when you ask God for something, God or the creator, and that's the God of your understanding, is only going to give you three answers. Yes, not yet, or I love you too much to give you that. There's something oh. better on its way.
0: Oh, that's cool. Um the teacher that that Deb and I share, dear listener, is uh, is Master John Douglas. And one of the things that Master John Douglas says that gives me so much comfort is, that is aligned with what you just said is, if you knew what I knew, you wouldn't worry about anything. I love how he says that uh, when, when I'm in the middle of like everything, like I the the thwarted, thwarted, thwarted days, like like t- today, leading up to this, you know this lovely interview. This is such a respite. Um, uh, I was thwarted all day and and I had to cling to that like a vine in the jungle today. Like if you knew what I knew, you would not be, even this, yes, even this Bridget, this you would not worry about.
1: (laughs) Yes. And you know, um, the other thing that he says, which I love is that, we're we're so often faced with choices, like, should I stay on with my kids? Should I continue my career? Should mm. I do this? And one of my favorite quotes from Master John Douglas is, whenever you have a choice to make, choose whatever gets you to God.
0: Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah. And children are like a beeline to God, right? I mean, like, oh boy. <laughs> so <tough. laughs>
1: Well, I'll tell you what I say. And this is the absolute truth. I'm not saying this because it's a cute thing to say, but I literally have studied for decades at at the feet of some of the greatest and most renowned gurus in the world and teachers in the East and in the West. And my greatest gurus are the ones who call me mom. Hmm. Absolutely. A hundred percent.
0: Yeah. So tell us some of the favorite, your favorite things that they've taught you. Especially about love and. uh, Oh,
1: about love. Mm. Okay. Oh, okay. I got a couple. I don't even know where to begin. Oh, I'll (laughs) tell you a story about my son, and then I'll tell you one. Equal time for my daughter. And then, of course, I have foster children.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I
1: didn't even know that. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I have, we always had many children living at our house besides my kids, but that's a story for another day. But Hey, I figured as long as I was taking 21 years out, I might as well have a house. Full of kids. <laughs> oh, that's but, um, my, I'll tell you a story about my son. When my son was, um, I guess he was must have been thirteen because he was in eighth grade, and and at the school that he uh, went to in Evanston, Illinois, they would uh, all, the eighth grade class would always go on a uh, their their eighth grade class trip to Washington D.C. Um, you know, to go to our nation's capital and learn about our history. And and my son and his friends were so excited about going on this trip. It was all they could talk about for for weeks. So the the, um, night before the trip came and we had the obligatory parents meeting and they were telling us all about um, how much money the kids could bring and that there's going to be a a pool in the hotel so they can bring their swimsuits and where they're going to go on the itinerary and what time we should meet them at the bus, et cetera, et cetera. Then they're giving out the room assignments. First they give out all the girls' room assignments. Then they're giving out the boys' room assignments. So the teacher goes, okay, and in the first room will be – Um, Terrence, Kiwan, Asher, and Jacob. And I'm like, hmm, those are Daniel's four best friends. Where's Mm. Daniel? And then the next is, and the next room will be um, Max and Teddy and Taekwon and Marquise. And I'm like, Wait a second! Those are Daniel's other four best friends. They go. The woman goes through all of the boys. No Daniel. And I'm thinking, oh, great. well, my first thought is, what did he do now? But after that, <laughs> so I started getting up, and just as I was about to approach the teacher, it goes, oh, and Daniel will be in a room with Eric and Eric's personal aide. Oh, so Eric is a little autistic boy who we love and had been over at the house a lot. But my first thought was, and I went into mother bear mode, I thought, oh my gosh, Daniel is going to be disappointed. He loves Eric, but this is his big eighth grade class trip. And Eric's personal aid is a little kind of not cool. Mm -hmm. And so I'm driving home and I'm thinking, how am I going to break this news to him? And, you know, how upset is he going to be? So I go into the den, I go, Daniel, guess what? You can bring your swimsuit. (laughs) He said, yeah, I know, mom. You know, I already packed it. And you can bring as much money as you want. There's no restraint. I know, mom. I go, oh, and Daniel, they gave out the room assignments. And um, I hope you're not upset, but they put you in a room with Eric and Eric's personal aid. And my son looks at me. And he cocks his head and he goes, Mom, they didn't put me in a room with Eric. I asked to be with Eric. Oh. Because you know, Mom, it's his eighth grade class trip too. And if oh my I figured God. if he wasn't with me, he'd probably be left out.
0: Oh my God. That made me cry.
1: Wow. And what and see, the thing is, so many of us, what we we want to be in with the in crowd. And what we do is we, we sacrifice, you know, we can even be at a party and somebody wants our attention and they want to talk to us, but we're looking around the room to see if there's somebody more important to talk to, mm. right? Because yeah. we want to be in with the in crowd and it, and what we don't realize is that, the human being standing in front of you is the most important human being in the world. And if you give that person your full attention, God will take care of you being in with the in crowd. It's all a matter of trust. And my son, it's so interesting because that's who he is and that's who he's always been. And just by the way, our kids watch us. It's like, you know, what you say, what your actions speak so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. These kids are so deep, they see exactly what you're doing. And if you are contradicting in your actions, they are the first ones to notice they might be benevolent, and not say it to you, they see it. Mm-hmm. And And the thing is, is that my son has always been that way. And just, I mean, of course I want to brag about him. There'd be basketball games and all the kids would go together and he would always bring one of the kids from best buddies, which is a group with kids with special needs. He didn't do it because, it looked impressive. He did it because that's just who he is. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know if you know this about my son, but when he was 15, he, um, started a nonprofit where Mm. he would go and he would make films of, uh, basketball players, high school basketball players, and to, and he would send them off to college coaches. And then when he was 16, he started a, um, Uh, He started putting on showcases for kids who couldn't afford to be in showcases and be successful coaches. Wow. And now he's 26 and he has um, raised over $70 million in scholarship money for Kids in the Hood in Chicago.
0: Oh my God. That is extraordinary. What's the name of his organization? Tell us so that... The Shot in the Dark
1: Foundation.
0: Fantastic. Wow. I did not know that about your son. That is extraordinary. He is one moving human. Okay. You need to give equal time to your equally moving human daughter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And she is, I could tell you so many, I'll tell you one about her or which was such a lesson to me that I will never forget it. So, um, my daughter was a personal stylist at Nordstrom on Michigan Avenue. In fact, she was the youngest person to ever become a personal stylist at Nordstrom on Michigan Avenue. And she was a fashion marketing and merchandise major um, at Columbia College. It's an artsy kind of school in Chicago. So one day my daughter says to me, mom, you know, I know that you're embarrassed that um, I'm just a personal stylist. I said, What are you oh. talking about? And she said, "Yeah, I could tell how when you tell your friends what I do, you uh, almost apologize at, apologize because you you wish that I was doing like Teach America or I was saving AIDS babies in Africa, or I was teaching meditation." Um, And I said, no, Deanna, no, honey, I'm so proud of what you do. She said, okay, well, you can delude yourself, but, um... (laughs) (laughs) and she said, but I know you're not, but I want to tell you something, mom. And I said what she said, when I bring somebody into my room to style them, and they, in their entire life, thought that they were unattractive or even ugly. And I find the perfect clothes for them and the perfect jewelry. And I hold up their hair and they turn around and they look in the mirror and they see how beautiful they are for the first time in their lives. Mm. I change just as many lives as you do.
0: Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah.
1: And that was a moment because the truth is I did apologize for it. Mm -hmm. and I've told that story a lot and I can't tell you how many people when I'm giving speeches to big groups they come up to me and they say "You know, I have one daughter who's a lawyer and my son is a doctor and I have another daughter who's a hairstylist and I always made excuses for it Mm -hmm. and I am so proud now that my daughter is a hairstylist and I am going to tell her that with absolute honesty and you have just changed my life
0: yeah that's beautiful thank you for that that's a good one speaking of teaching and sharing your wisdom you're back out in the seminar world so tell us about this new venture (laughs) okay of cracking hearts open
1: (laughs) okay well um so i'll tell you why i came back it was uh it's a very very funny story I was, my kids were like 18 and 21, and I was still reading them Harry Potter to bed at night. No, I wasn't. (laughs) 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 I would have liked to have been, but (laughs) but anyway, so one day, my dear friend, Janet Atwood, who is the founder of the Passion Test, who was also one of my students actually, when she created the passion test, it was the passion test was born at one of my yes to success seminars. And she was, she was actually my secretary when I was negotiating with the producer to have my own daytime TV talk show. She was my, she was taking notes and she was my personal assistant at the time. But um, when I retired to Chuck E. Cheese and she went on to be (laughs) a New York Times bestselling author, one day she came to me and she said, Dabs, I said, Jannie, and she said, when are you going to stop pretending that your kids still need you? Oh my gosh. (laughs) And the truth is that I thought about that for a minute. And I said, you know what? I don't know if my kids ever needed me because I know plenty of kids who are so wonderful. And they were raised by nannies and they were raised by grandmas and they were raised in foster care. So I said to her, So I don't know if they ever really needed me, but what I'm finding very hard to give up is how much I need them Mm. because to me, you know, one, I love you, mommy is worth more than a thousand standing ovations and I didn't want to let go.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so she said, that's it. I'm not putting up with this anymore. The world needs you back on the stage. So she single-handedly got me like three speaking engagements. Wow. And then I got the bug. And I'll tell you something else that's great. Just talking about kids. Kids, when they see you out there being successful, that they love it. That's my mom up on Mm -hmm. the stage. That's my mom writing the book. That's Mm -hmm. my mom opening that business. That's my mom becoming a a state senator that's my mom especially our young girls right now and our young boys they need us to be role models and um so uh that is why i started up again and i can't even remember what your question was (laughs) (laughs) no you're right on track with the journey to to this new venture oh yes so what happened was was that when i came back onto the scene in in the early nineteen eighties, I was really kind of the only show in town teaching about the law of attraction and the mind creating reality. I mean, there were the old like Napoleon Hill and 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 science of mind and Church of Religious Science, but I kind of took it mainstream. You know, went on TV talk shows all over the country, and and it was kind of a it was what two decades before the secret, so it was kind of radical at the time. But now, when I came back. People are teaching the law of attraction really on every street corner, and glad that they are because the world needs to hear this message. But I realized that there were still people who actually believed that outer success was actually going to bring them happiness. Mm-hmm. That having a best selling book, that having a nice car and a big house, and there's nothing wrong with a best selling book, a nice ho- house and a big car. But those are not signs of success in 2018 or 2019 or 2020. The signs of success are, are speaking your truth standing up for injustice, being an aligned human being, walking your talk, not saying one thing and doing another, and being the teacher who lives the teaching. And what I realized is that there are enough people teaching what I used to teach and yes to success. And so now what I'm doing now with the new success, a revolution, is that I want to redefine what it means to be successful because let me tell you, I have so many friends who have achieved material success and it ain't what it's cracked up to be I know that you talked I think it was with Reverend Ed on one of your wonderful podcasts about um, Anthony Bourdain and all of Mm. Dean Kate Spade and people like that who have it all and what do they do they take their lives because they realize it doesn't really make them any happier as a matter of fact when you get everything you want and you still feel empty inside it leads to despair so what I teach people now is how to create that inner success Mm, and on that Basis. Then you can have your best-selling book, but if it doesn't become a bestseller, you're not less happy because mm-hmm. the happiness is not dependent on what happens on the outside. The happiness and the success only depends on what's going on on the inside, and then it reflects in your success and your prosperity and on the outside. We've had it turned around, and I want to teach the right order: inner first. So it's kind of follows. like
0: in right. So it's kind of like you're turning the secret on its side, <laughs> not inside out, but kind of tipping it on its side. Because, yeah. Yeah. Because you're not you're you're genuinely from your heart feeling a certain way rather than manufacturing feelings by repeating things or focusing on certain things. Is that correct?
1: Yes. And I remember I was, I was with Katie, with Byron Katie one time and um, somebody said to her, you know, isn't it is, something like, is it true that you can be, you know, do you believe in what the secret says that, that you can have, exactly what you want if you visualize it enough and, and that will bring you happiness. And, and Katie says, no, what's going to bring you happiness is that if you could want exactly what you have Mm -hmm. instead of have exactly what you want, want exactly what you have. I kind of, you know, butchered that story, but you get the picture. Absolutely. Right. And yeah. that's the thing. It's wanting exactly what you have, loving what is, is what's going to bring you true and lasting success.
0: Okay, so Deborah, I, th- I think you just gave them a really great little amuse bouche for your for your new for your the new success. A revolution is what it's called. I just want to repeat that. And also, can you insert your your website right now? right now so that people can, while they're listening to this, I'm going to ask you if you have any final thoughts, but I want to right now so that they can meander over to it while we're talking.
1: Yes. Well, meander over to it after my final thoughts. Yes. But (laughs) it is still yes to success.com. Y-E-S-T-O, yes to success.com.
0: Okay. Perfect. Okay. So now please, any parting thoughts from Deborah?
1: <laughs> I just want to reinforce this idea that it's, it's loving what is, it's looking for the good in every moment, looking for the gift in every moment, and knowing that it's not about needing to get somewhere, but also the growth that takes place. On your way to there, because there are no guarantees that you are ever going to get there. There is no guarantees that you're going to wake up tomorrow morning. So what we need to do is start loving every day the journey. And I love that. There's a story from Kabbalah, which is the Jewish mystical text, where a man says to God, God, all I want to do is serve you. Tell me what I can do to serve you. And then then God says, go out and push a rock. And the man was kind of confused. Push a rock, all right. But God had said that's what he wanted this man to do. So the man, being an A-type personality, went and found the biggest boulder that he could possibly find. And he started pushing it, but it didn't move. And then he, But he chose that rock, so he didn't want to go, oops, this one didn't move. I'll go pick another one. So he's pushing the rock, and he's pushing the rock, and it's not moving, and he's pushing the rock for hours, and then he pushes the rock for days, and then he pushes the rock for weeks, and it doesn't move, and the weeks turn into months, and finally he gives up. And God says to him, why did you give up? And the man said, well, nothing happened. (laughs) And God said, what do you mean nothing happened? You are so much stronger than you were when you started pushing that rock. Your muscles are stronger. Your stick-to-itiveness is much stronger. You were an inspiration to the people that you stood out there pushing that rock in the rain and the snow and the sleet and the hail. And you didn't give up after anybody else wouldn't give up. And then the man says, yes, but it didn't move. And God said, I didn't tell you to move the rock. I told you to push it. I'll move it when I'm ready. (laughs) That is fabulous. Right? And the thing is, it will move. We're all pushing rocks right now. But Mm. they're not going to move in our timing. They're going to move in perfect timing. And if we could just know that in our superhero hearts, Mm
0: -hmm. then our
1: lives could be really successful.
0: That's a beautiful, beautiful note to end on. Thank you so much, Deborah Poneman, for coming today. And everyone go to Yes yes to success.com and check out Deb's work and go to Amazon and you can look for her name and you'll see all the groovy books she's been a part of. And um, um, thank you, Deb. Thank you, for making time for us today.
1: And thank you for being the absolute example of superhero of love.
0: That was Deborah Poneman, a true superhero of love. And I am blessed to have some really good news for you about Deborah Poneman. The news will be released in the, in the next couple of days. So by mid October, this news will be on the superhero of love Facebook page. And I will announce it on Twitter and Instagram as well. But we are having an event on November 11th, 2018 in Pasadena and it's called Love Forward Talks. It's like TED Talks for the heart. And Deborah Poneman has agreed to come and speak to us at that event. Please go follow Superhero of Love on Facebook or on Twitter, on Instagram. You can find Superhero of Love. And if you have time, go over to to um, iTunes and leave a review. It'll bring more superheroes of love into the fold here on the podcast whatever you can do to support this podcast i appreciate from the bottom of my heart have a great day superhero